0: This week, three sides of the coin, it's all down under this week, all Australia. We talk about KISS World, we find out what happened. We talk about Kisteria, we find out what it was like to be there for that. We talk a ton about Peter Chris and his final show in Australia and a cool little surprise of what might be coming our way soon.
1: Let me tell you, my smile hurt throughout this one. You're going to love this show this week.
2: This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things
1: KISS. I
0: want
2: to rock and roll all night. You're listening to
1: Three Sides of the Coin.
0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. I'm one of your two co-hosts because... Each and Not every week, the two. Shocking, shocking, shocking. Ed McMahon ain't here this week. Hello. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who is
1: this Ed continue to speak do I mean, You and, and
0: I every week. And we did try and get Lisa to join us because now that we've switched to Zoom pretty much permanently, it's much easier to record multiple people. But
1: she, is that the hot nice chick confused. who shows up every once in a while? Oh yeah.
0: She's the hot chick that makes us go. <laughs> That's
1: what they say all the time. Anyway. Yeah. But is exactly. it true? So we be- end up. up
0: looking like Beavis and butthead when she shows up. Oh, because we are. <laughs>
1: yeah, we are. Exactly.
0: Um so it's just Mark and I with an incredible guest who'll be here in just a second. Um so, of course, because Ed Hayno is no longer here today. You know, that might be his nickname now. Ed Haino. Hey, no. Um Got no comments to read.
1: Got he doesn't a, read them anyway he when he's read here. Him
0: anyway. Yeah, he sits down, and when I ask him, he finally starts searching for him at the last minute. Um, but I think we should throw out, we're recording this on... The birthday of the demon, Gene Simmons. Happy birthday, Uncle Gene. Yes,
1: yes. 70, uh, 71 years old today. Mm-hmm. I hope he's doing well.
0: Yeah, he seems to be. Every once in a while you see a few pictures of him and Shannon up he, in I'm Canada. i
1: he's, he's laying so low. You know he what really I mean? He really is. And uh, you know what? I, I tell you what, I'm hoping that he's really – enjoying his life he's so earned it i mean it's maybe one of those times in his life that life is making him relax i mean forcing
0: him yeah you can't do business you can't fly across country and do that appearance and all that stuff that you live for
1: so enjoy it you know enjoy it he's again i tell you what you know gene's just one of those guys and you know he, he he just brightens the room up Whenever he walks in, I mean, there's just no two ways about it. And, uh, you know what I mean? Just, uh, glad he's in my favorite band.
0: (laughs) I I am too. I mean, I've all, you know, and this, this is related to somebody we'll be talking about with our guests, but I've always said that about Peter. Everybody's like, why doesn't Peter come back? Why doesn't Peter? Because you know what? Maybe he's actually quite happy being retired and enjoying his life. And he doesn't need to. I mean, what's wrong with that? He's earned it. He's earned the the right to just quietly retire and stay out of the limelight if that's what he wants to do.
1: Yeah, let me tell you um, a little foreshadowing here. Um, guys, this guest we had on this week probably – and I know I've said this before, but I really mean it this time. Seriously, one of my favorite, if not my favorite show. What an incredible guest we have this week. Um, the Kiss Geek Talk is, you know, is on stun this week. I mean, it's 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 the Geigometers all the way over to the right. The,
0: the minutiae and all of it is just off the chart this week.
1: Uh, yeah, and what a great, deep, deep kiss discussion we had. And let me tell you, i I am I even said it midway through the episode, my my face hurts from smiling so much. I mean, this guy was just nailing story after story and comment after comment. and and what a great, passionate kiss fan. And again, something that's even cooler. He was boots on the ground. He saw one of the Australian shows in 1980, and we talked about the buildup of, you know, Kiss getting to be how big it was, and we talk about how big it was, and we have a huge in-depth Peter Chris discussion, which this show has needed for quite some time.
0: And and some he drops a little bomb that yes. really perks Mark's eyes up about maybe maybe. A Peter Chris live album,
1: which I think you guys are going to be just as excited as I am and was to hear. So yeah,
0: so so th- this week it's all Australia. We're joined by Peter Hoffman, who talks about Kiss World. He talks about Kisteria in Australia. He talks about Peter Chris's last show because he was the promoter for it in Australia so many great stories so many great memories such great insight from somebody as mark said boots on the ground who was there who did it we finally get the truth of what happened to kiss world why did that disappear
1: right from the horse's mouth as they like to say
0: let it roll peter hoffman
2: Want to get your official Three Sides of
1: the Coin logo and Shocker tea? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com.
0: So everyone in Three Sides World, we want to welcome... All the way from Australia, he's recording with us tomorrow, <laughs> as we're recording today. <laughs> we want to welcome Peter Hoffman. Peter's in Melbourne, Australia, and a uh, couple things. I'm sure there's a lot more we'll talk about, but a couple things that Peter's going to talk about are he he's the promoter who brought Peter Chris to Australia for his very last show in Australia. And he was the the man behind, if you remember, correct me if I'm wrong on my dates here, Peter, but Kiss World was what, 20 years ago?
2: Yeah, two, 2003, 2004.
0: Okay, so 17 years ago, you were the man behind um, Kiss World. And, and I'm not sure, Mark how much do you think fans know about that Kiss World thing that was going to happen in Australia? Because it never officially, like, launched, launched. But if you were kind of inside the Kiss bubble, you heard about this amazing thing that was going to be built.
1: Well, you know, I, I actually got some of the liquidated posters before it even opened, and that was the odd part. It was like they they had some special merchandise for it, um, matter of fact I have some of the the posters right behind me that you know are kiss world posters and you know they were they were sold because it never opened now i uh, Peter i how did how did that happen and I remember seeing pictures that kind of looked like they broke ground on that and everything you you had, a,
0: you had a yeah so and just so people know I was working for kiss's merch company at the time this was happening. Now, KISS World, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't license that through Sony Signatures and Signatures Network. You went right through the band. Yeah, it was we've right. But so But the, it, it, it was on our radar because we would yeah. – the, the thing with, with, with KISS was even though their merch company had the exclusive licensing yeah. rights, KISS could always go cut their own license deal. Yep. And then they'd kind of turn them over to signatures and say, okay, get them whatever they need for images or manage it or help it. So the, I remember it in the office, and I remember this KISS world, and I remember seeing initial drawings of what it was going to look like, and then the building and, you know, the the interior photos and the merch. I mean, this was, for, for recent KISS fans, if you think of – the um, Kiss Coffee House. Yes. Take that and explode it significantly larger. Huge. So how did, how did, how did start with, how did the idea come about and how did you get permission to do this?
2: Okay. Well, um, initially, We were uh, heavy, the company I was working or owned, another one called World of Stars, was heavily into doing a lot of um, memorabilia in Australia, in the Australian market, but mainly as wholesalers to memorabilia stores. And what we were seeing was um, uh, gross misconduct in the fact that the retail stores were marking the stuff up so highly uh, that we just... Yeah. we might sell it to it for a hundred and they're selling it for 4,000. And so mm. we decided that we would look at a retail chain. Um, and at the time I had also done some, um, uh, stuff with Gene already on a couple of other little projects where, um, I used to work for, um, owned another company called, um, uh, shout out loud licensing which was, um, so working with, we did Playboy, Penthouse, um, back then, Rolling Stone. So similar to what you guys would have been doing at Sony, um, we did it in Australia and took licences on and developed it. Um, so I was tossing around with Gene about that. And then um, he mentioned something about a to me about a Kiss World travelling amusement park. So I then sat around and thought, what about a Kiss World store? And it basically started like that. Um now, now, like, when,
0: when when he was mentioning the, the traveling amusement park, was he going back to well Mark, what was it, the seventies when that, that it was right around seventy nine dynasty when yes, they were gonna true. have Kiss World, which was supposed to be a traveling amusement park yeah. and everything else and yeah. and that that obviously never happened. Mm.
1: He yeah. he was really getting ahead of himself, you know. Yeah. And, and at that point, Gene was.
2: Yeah, yeah. But, but so is we, that what he was referring to, Peter? Yeah, that exactly. Yep. Okay. So we we, we didn't see the, the cost in running that would be enormous. So, but what we looked at is because we had the world aside, bit world of stars. The whole idea was to um, we we developed a ten thousand square shop. Um, that was going to have a cinema cafe, um, and that's where the Kiss Cafe idea came from. We'd already had the drawings of of how the cafe would be set up. Um, And it had, uh, then there was a stage, um, the the opening was going to have Bruce Julek and um, other musicians fly across with Gene and Paul at the opening, and there was going to be an acoustic set. That was the plan. Uh, And then there was, the, the front of the shop was, inside was like a record. And you would just spin round, you could sit on this record as if you were looking at all the stuff, merch on the walls and that, or you could get off and just walk around. Um, but up the back, there was always going to be a separate area called World of Stars, where we would have um, other celebrities, sports, movie stars, whatever it be, selection. Um, It was seen as to brand and get into the market, the KISS name was was a big part of branding our world of stars as well. Um, The other thing we'd done in Australia is generally when um, music stars came to do meet and greets, back then it was generally in shopping centres, which at that point was becoming a bit dangerous. It was harder to control. So we'd done a deal with um, all the major labels in Australia that when their artists wanted to do a, a meet and greet, it would be done at Kiss World. Um, so there was plans there. So, so you,
0: you it sounds like you really had a, a solid business plan behind this. And, and 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 what I mean by that is it wasn't resting solely on KISS. No. And because that's, that, that was- as, as 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 I mean, you know, as we saw even with the KISS Coffee House, it seems like anything that rests solely on KISS eventually kind of peters out because, you know, let's be honest, as big as the KISS Army is, is it big enough to support a dedicated standalone only business? So it's interesting that you had already plans for all these other artists that were going to always be part of this as well. Although KISS was the focus. Exactly. Yep.
2: Yep. So that was the whole, uh... I don't
1: know if you saw, I mean the Rolling Stones are opening one in London I think this week or next week. Although, you know, to be fair, it's it's not going to be a permanent thing. Yeah. That's how come, I, re, I remember, and I don't know if it was you, Peter, that I talked to you. I remember, because this was a long time ago, I emailed somebody just because I was curious as a fan about it being exclusively Kiss. And somebody from that organization wrote me back a very articulate, nice letter they said something along the, you know, along, the, you know, lines of, no, we're going to have, you know, all other bands. And that, that was when I remember the Rolling Stones and, you know, everyone at ACDC, every, you know, you'd be able to buy anything there, but it's going to be KISS focused. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's really pretty cool because I thought that initially I'm like, look, I love KISS. I have a, you know, a whole house full of crack, KISS crap, but, you know, I'm an oddball. I mean, you can't—that's that can't be a business model where you're like, you know, everyone's—you can, can't
0: live off of Mark's spending.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good for a couple of weeks, but that's about it. The whole thing. About so I, I thought, but and, but that's the whole thing. You know, I'm I'm so happy to have you on, Peter, because I remember you were posting pictures, and when I say you, whoever you know. uh, the organization was posting pictures of the groundbreaking and the cement being laid. Correct. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. Yep. Spot on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and then, and then nothing. So when did you come to the point of, we can't
2: do this? Um, Well, it was forced on us. The, the reality is, and you know, you you know what the kiss world's like, there's so many rumors, you know, the whole thing was, you know, how can it survive just being kiss world? It's never just going to be Kiss, I mean, you know, we had plenty of plenty of side things. I mean, the theater, for example, we had already um, secured a lot of the stuff that uh, Kiss had in their warehouse. So that ended up being on the Kissology DVDs, that was gonna be played in the thing. We'd also had uh, rare footage from ACDC, all the bands back then we'd, we'd secured a lot of footage that you would come and see exclusively. Let
0: let, 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 let me ask you about that, Peter. So when you're talking to KISS or the ACDC camp and you're securing this footage, are they donating it to you because they know it's going to help sell more merch, or did you actually have to, like, license it for a limited period of
2: performances? Um, KISS, we didn't. That was part because we were in... um, uh, The reality is uh Gene and Paul received fifty percent of everything that would have come through the store. So oh, so nice.
0: they, they even if it was an A C D C sale, Gene and Paul got would have gotten a percentage of it. That's a good deal.
2: <laughs> oh so, uh, so for them it was always about as much as they could push it and PR it and put stuff in there it was always going to benefit because every cent that went through the profit was going to come back at them. So, 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 if you could get back to
1: where, okay, so you you you've got all the, the theater. The I remember the record. I remember seeing the yeah. the foundation for. The, so, yeah. how far exactly did you get before it was, as you say, pulled from you?
2: Okay, we got to. We were ready to um, start bringing all the shop fitting in, and the our shop fitter, who was now so- was actually a friend of ours, um, he found some structural issues with the building um and the so we picked them up and we presented them to the landlord saying you need to fix this and to cut a very long story and legal story short he didn't fix them he went broke thus the whole thing fell over oh and that's my God. Uh, yeah, that's the uh that's exactly what happened, and then we 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 obtained from the liquidators. Um, I think it was about three months to operate out of there to try and move. I mean, we had over a million dollars of stock.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you you were, and and everybody should keep in mind, Kiss World wasn't just going to be selling the typical license crap. Uh, you you, all- I'm, I'm assuming you probably would have had some of that, but yep. you were doing just like. Um, the Kiss Coffee House did, or, or the Kiss Mini Golf does now, you were making your own exclusive merchandise
2: items and some
0: very yeah. cool stuff, because mm-hmm. you were showing pictures, yeah. especially of autograph stuff.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah, we had, um, I mean, the, the, geez, we we traveled the US for nine weeks, securing all a lot of the autographs for the Kiss World stuff. So that was three of us um, going from certain cities, catching up with Gene in Beverly Hills. And then the next day, Paul might have gone to New York, so we had to fly there. Uh, we were all over the place flying. Um, Vinnie, Vinnie, we ended up, we had two days booked for Nashville. Um, at the uh, I think it was the Hilton in Nashville. And, man, that was 10 days we got stuck there because he couldn't decide whether he wanted to sign or not sign it. Oh. We-
0: oh, my God. I was going to say, don't tell me. Yes, it's typical Vinny. He fucked it up.
2: And then, uh, so we eventually got him to sign them. And then uh, the day he finished signing them, he hands us a legal letter from his solicitor saying, "Um, my contract is for me signing these, but you haven't got the rights to my image. Oh, (laughs) Jesus.
0: Fucking hey,
2: And, uh, Yeah.
0: You know, listen, people, this is why so many people will not do business with that guy. It's everybody he's ever done business with has gotten burned. Everybody.
2: So that was a, a $15,000 thing we had to fix up then on the spot. Because we oh, had the, Jesus. and like our legal people said, what are you going to do? Go to court, fight it. It's going to cost you more than what he's asking. That's why he's doing it. He knows that um yeah and uh so that that was that one so that uh but in saying it um i think the big litho we got on him um is one of the best you could ever see in the world of any artist it's a fantastic and he did do amazing signatures on it yeah
0: yeah, and, and and keep in mind i mean this was again 17 years ago, Vinny was literally gone off Mm -hmm. the radar. Nobody knew where he was. There wasn't even thoughts of him coming back. So that Kiss World showed up and goes, well, we got some new Vinny autographs. People were kind of like, what? We we didn't even know Vinny was still alive basically Uh, back then.
2: We had to sign contracts that we wouldn't disclose where he was to Gene and Paul. And um, (laughs) even when I, I landed there and I was speaking to him on the phone, he was He'd found out that I got on quite well with Gene, and so he was convinced that I was a, a, a spy for Gene to, to flush him out. Um, so I had to go and do a statutory stat, declaration at a police station to say no, that I'm not going to divulge and all this stuff. And oh, it, was, God. it was bizarre. So, um, but one day I might write a book about it all.
0: Hey, you know, Vinny's available if you want to do a convention with him in Australia.
2: Like, do you want to know that story? Oh yeah, please. <laughs> if there's a story there, yes. After, after we do the Peter Chris one, the, um, the 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 bloke we had who came out with Peter um, ended up working for Vinny. Yep. He contacted me and said, "Look, Vinny's going to come to Australia." I said, "I said I couldn't do this again. This is what happened last time." He said, "Oh no, no, he's changed. He's changed." And so. Um, if I've got one weakness, I'm a bit of a. I'm a bit of a. I want. Yep, I can do this. We can do it. And sometimes common sense goes out the back door. <laughs> so we started the process. Um, we agreed on a price, and it, I will say everything was going great. Vinnie, we're talking to him. It's fantastic. He was excited. Um, and then, probably eight weeks before we were, it was all agreed to announce it. Came the clause that if I don't come I keep the money that you advance me. <laughs> oh my oh god. god. I said to, so then I because uh, at that stage then Vinnie became um, uncontactable um, and I had to go through his PA um, and I was speaking to him and I said you got to be kidding me. I said, so what happens? Oh, well, the, the amount that he wants and then it changed to he wanted his all the money up front. Um, and yeah, so guess what? Didn't happen.
0: At, at least, at least you got out of it before you lost money because there's people who have lost money on that guy
2: in the U S some a guy called Mark was a promoter. He boss, He rang me and was talking to
0: me about
2: Der- it. Derek.
0: Derek, sorry. Derek, he, yeah. Derek. Derek is the guy who did the Atlanta Expo, yeah. which brought him back. And then Derek was trying to put on um, the two shows at Graceland, which uh, you know. And so, at some point in time, Derek's got to come back on and give us the scoop because he's told yeah. me privately what's happened. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it basically, I can just let's just say this: it mirrors exactly what you just yeah. told us.
2: Yeah. and people I've spoken to who have contacted us, um, because of course the story that someone else might have put out was that we were going to rip him off and stuff like that. And that's there's too many story, uh, too many true stories about it. And yes, you said they all mirror each other exactly. what Yeah,
0: happens. yeah. It, everybody has the same experience of of phone calls of emails of oh just weeks before days before all of a sudden something new gets thrown at you and you've either got to pay it or the whole yeah. thing gets cancelled um it, it's just crazy
2: yeah and it's i mean it's like, it was the, the the crazy one was that if he got to the airport and felt um uh, uh felt nervous or or did just couldn't do the trip he would be able to cancel it and all the monies would be released. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it would have been great. I think once we got him here, we, uh, it would have been great, but I look at it now and I probably would end up having more gray hair than I've got now.
0: Oh, you, 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 you would have ended up losing something. Yep. Definitely some money somewhere along the lines. So 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 back to back to KISS World. So you guys, let's go back to the merchandise. And as you were talking about, you if I recall, didn't you even get Mark St. John to autograph stuff?
2: Yeah, Mark. Look, Mark, fantastic. We look, uh, um, when we met Mark, we he was living at home with his uh parents and we went around to his house and um he was it was over the moon that we tracked him down and wanted him to be involved in it. And, um, the, the plan was we were, we'd actually, um, because of certain, um, uh, uh r- records he had as in drug addiction and things like that. Um, we'd actually talk with the Australian government we, we'd got a pass that we could have brought him to Australia for the opening, the kiss will Hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, I'll never forget it. We were driving down his street and um, we couldn't find the house. Um, so we come down the road that his house is on and here's this guy in the middle of the road, waving. <laughs> and um, it was Mark. And uh, he was just so happy to see us and meet us. And um, in the, So we were driving him. We were, we were staying in Beverly Hills at um, Rodeo Drive. I can't remember the hotel. And he was such a nice guy, and he said to us, and you could see he was um, obviously—if you see the picture of when he's signing a lot of the stuff—he's obviously not in a healthy state at that point. Yeah. We um, and he had a girlfriend, and I can't remember her name, but she was lovely. She was a really nice person. So we decided we'd shout him a night at this hotel, and um, yeah, that probably a bit of a problem because he ended up staying in the room too long. We didn't get all this. So it took us an extra day, but it was what looked for us. It was great because we spent, we spent a day and a half with him. Um, He was a really nice guy. Um, you know, he had issues like we all do. Um, and his unfortunately were, um, ended up costing him greatly, but he was fantastic. He signed everything. He had a ball, um, we had a great did, you,
0: you, did you get autographs from every living
2: member of KISS? Um, we have Peter and Ace are the only two. So we actually, what happened was we were due to go back when the whole thing came down. Um, and there is a thing called the discography, which is, is, as far as we were concerned, was the holy grail of signatures, because that's got everyone's on. Um, including Eric Carr's plate-signed one that was a um, we got from Loretta, um, and was an authorized one. Uh, and then when that happened, the legal side over there meant we didn't come across. So in, in at that time, I think Carol Kay was looking after Ace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, look, I mean, then the big mystery is that lithograph was then locked up supposedly locked up by our printers in a in a safe house in a printing factory in New York and um, here we are 16, 17 years on and that is still missing 600 of those signed by every member except for Peter and Ace at the moment. Whoa! <laughs> uh, you're talking what a couple of million dollars there um, and they have never appeared anywhere the, the um, printing company claimed that uh, they released them to me, um, which we were easy to, to um, rectify that it wasn't me because I was in Australia. And so, uh, so we've had private eyes try to track them down. Um, there's still a, a, a legal battle going on. Um, so um, the problem is, so they've either been destroyed and someone's collected insurance on them and written them off as something else rather than the kissology. Or someone's got them, and they're just keeping them for themselves because they'll never be able to sell them. Well, I was just
0: going to say. I mean, something like that. If it starts showing up in the kiss market, yeah. it's going to be all over the place Correct. in seconds. Of look at this, and these are the autographs. I mean, you would know in a heartbeat. It's it's sort of like that situation of all right, you stole some great diamonds, but you yeah, got you no can... way to fence it now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, this thing was huge. This thing was four feet by three feet. Yeah, I
0: remember. I remember pictures of it. It was. It was a discography of all the albums at the time, yep. Yep. with all then, their signatures. It was a beautiful piece. piece.
2: Yep. Yeah, it was. It's, a, it's an amazing piece. Um, let's hope. I mean, we still have uh, my other business partner in that, Rob Manuel. He's still got investigators searching. Um, I think from what I know I think the the two printing people that the, the, there's no doubt they know who they released it to um, and I, i'm not i've sort of kept out of that a bit to the back but I know that they're not far off having some uh, uh, a court hearing in the us somewhere in New York or something about it and the, so because it's just it's it's a lot of money and time and effort in it
0: it's a lot of time money effort that and a lot of value in those products that if you got them back there's you know there's collectors out there that would buy that stuff in a second
2: so uh let's hope and the uh yeah so and the other thing was there was there was also uh, four which actually i don't think we've ever spoken about at least to anyone the other thing that got stolen was there was four rare photos of early Kiss, of the individuals, and we had those printed up on uh, on a similar type stock, very very good stock, and they were going to be signed as well, and they were amazing black and white photos, and they're gone too.
0: They're not auto mm-hmm. You never got those autographed, but they were printed up.
2: They were ready, yeah. Oh, sorry, Gene and Pauls have been signed, yeah. Oh, Gene and Pauls have been signed. Wow. So, again, they they went. So, yeah, it's where they are. So, anyone out there
1: will offer a reward. Yeah. Hey, Peter, i got to ask you a question. Um, Being that you're a big Kiss fan, did you see Kiss in 1980? I did indeed,
2: yep, at uh, Waverley, BFL Park in um, Glen Waverley. So, there was uh, 40... 5,000 people at what we call our football ground, AFL football. Um, we got there the night before, slept overnight. It, that day was 40, 40 degrees, so it's about 110. Um, oh. It was that, and everyone was outside, packed outside waiting to get in and squashed because there was no allocated seating. It was bang, you rush through the General
0: admission, yep.
2: Um, they actually got the fire trucks and got them to squirt people because there were so many fainting because of the heat. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the guys, the night started. We all got in. We got really good... We, we sat on the first level, so you could actually see over the top of the, all the uh, fans going nuts and jumping. Um, just landed in a helicopter. Um, the, there was a band called The Eyes, which were the support act. You could you could not hear because the, the crowd... Australian crowd there was just going, we want kiss. From the second they started playing, mm-hmm. they ended up finishing. I think it was five or ten minutes earlier, because in between their set, the kiss helicopter landed, and the crowd just went berserk. So there was no use in playing; no one was paying any, and you couldn't hear them. It. it was it was just an amazing yeah night. It was it was unbelievable. I still, you know, they nobody
1: this would be a great thing for somebody, you know, to, that whole mania. And, and as a kiss collector, that's been one of my kind of passions. It's, I have tons of newspaper articles, tons of, because they were in everything from women's week to, you know, I, I, I just love that. I would love to see a professional two hour documentary i mean there's all kinds of little things on it but there's so much available footage and interviews and photos and everything i'd love to see like just even kiss just to do two hours on just the mania because i'd love to see it because i again you know i I know you know I'm, i'm a big kiss collector you know kiss was and i have an ad to prove it kiss was supposed to go to australia in 77 when they did the Japanese tour of 77 because I have the ad out of a trade magazine for a company that was saying, Hey, our new client is kiss. We're sponsoring their 77 tour of New Zealand, Australia and Japan, you know, in spring of 77. So, I mean, that was more than in the talking stage that I'm trying to remember the name of the company, but I have the, the trade ad in my collection and you know, I always wonder what would have happened if they would have, you know, hit your shores then. I mean, it's, it's all a big what-if game, but mm. the mania that was, they called it Kisteria at the time, if I remember down there, was um, um, just Beatles-esque.
2: I mean... Well, it was probably even bigger than the Beatles because I, I can remember going to, they were staying at a, a Southern Cross Hotel in Melbourne, which is no longer there. But... you you couldn't walk down the street. The Southern Cross was on one of our main streets with the city of Melbourne. And day and night, there was thousands of fans just perched outside the building. And I can remember actually talking to um, uh, Eric Carr when I came over in, I think 19, the Hot in the Shade tour, I was over there with him. And he was saying he couldn't sleep at night because the noise was so loud 24-7. Twenty four seven, and so he said he would get out and just look out his window, and he said it was. He said he couldn't believe he was involved in this. You know, this was and that his, was just a few months after he joined the band. And
1: it was, you it know, was, he just and, and, he, and all, here's where I'd like a documentary to end. I have a really cool um, newspaper clipping of it was early eighty one, and they were saying how. There was like literally warehouses of KISS merch that they were they couldn't even give away because the mania, after they'd came, just died like that. And they had the, the show bags and the masks and all this stuff that they couldn't give away. And there's ads in some of the Australian, you know, pulp sort of magazines of, you know, whatever, two for one, three for one sort of. You know, buy a kiss mask, buy one kiss mask, you get the rest of them. And I was like, wow, you know, literally just a couple months earlier, you know, they're pressing up all that stuff.
2: It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, the, the, the company that, um, there's a company called Valentine's, which to come back to when I said I used to work for American Greetings, American Greetings ended up buying that company, but they were the ones that did all the kiss tour posters in Australia. So, um, yeah, to find some of that stuff would be...
0: P- Peter, can you, can you talk to that to some extent? Because that's, as Mark said, that's a fascinating time period for KISS. And we've seen bits and pieces, but I'm always more fascinated hearing from people who were actually there, lived there, went to the shows, experienced it. Was, was, that, was that Kisteria truly everybody just loved KISS at the time? Or was it a lot of, as they say, jumping on the bandwagon? Well, gee, everybody's excited. I guess I'm excited about it. Because to some extent, we've talked about this in relation to the reunion tour. Hmm. You know, the reunion tour, all of a sudden, it became cool for everybody to like KISS for about a year's period. Everybody. You know, you you might have listened to Beth once in high school in the 70s. They're back. They put the makeup on. Everybody loves it. But when the reunion tour was done, and you could see this and everything, I mean, Psycho Circus comes out. That hysteria is now gone. Yeah. So, was that sort of the way it was in Australia too? It was. There was a lot of. Was there a lot of people who were excited? But there was even more people who were just like, "Oh my God!" It's like our team won the Super Bowl. Therefore, I'm a big fan right now. And when the Super Bowl is over,
2: I'm done. You know, I think to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, I, there was a group of, if I use my own thing, there was a group of 10 of us who were absolutely insane KISS fans. 20 of us probably went. Um, so the others came along. Um, but it, there, there was that whole, I mean, if you look at Shandy, for instance, it was huge in Australia. Um, and that was, you know, that that was after... Um, They'd been, um, and that, the whole Unmasked, probably Unmasked was the last real massive elven in Australia. It was massive. Um, But there's, look, there's been, there'd been bands that had come before, you know, with the Stones, many of those bands, but none of them still had that hysteria. So that, you know, people would still go and see the Rolling Stones, even if you weren't a fan back then just to say you'd seen them. So KISS definitely got some of that, but the 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 bulk lot of the people were there because they were just KISS crazy. It was, it was everywhere. The I mean, thing that's what's fascinating to me is that
1: on our shores, Unmasked was a turkey. It barely went gold. And down there, Shandy's getting massive airplane. And what, uh, Talk To Me, that was also released as a single down there. Yep. It was like, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, those songs made it to the radio. Yep, they
2: did. Yep. They were play. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: it's, it's funny because, yeah, over, over here, you couldn't give away Kiss, <laughs> but literally on the other side of the world, they were the biggest thing
2: happening. Yep. Well, they had, uh, I mean, our TV show at the time, Countdown, dedicated a whole yep. mm-hmm. five minutes to them, which was unheard of. And then on top of that, at Perth, they filmed three songs with, you know, Talk to Me and um, Shandy, where they were, they actually were just miming to the record. So, the- is that you? Because there's a really cool, yeah, um, very cool. So that's how big they were. That hadn't been done with any any other band. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, Australia had probably before that, the Bay City Rollers had come in from Scotland, um, and they caused well- hysteria. That was nothing compared
1: I, I, I know that
2: Deep Purple played
1: there um, and did very quite well. Matter of fact, I think ACDC opened up. Um, yeah, they,
2: that was at summary
1: Yes. And that was a big uh and big row.
2: They did that a five. <laughs> yep, that's very true. Uh, and then there was um, at that same show was a band called Skyhooks, which were Australia's they wore makeup and that. And they were the closest thing to hysteria. From an Australian perspective, they were a massive in the mid '70s, '74 to '76 in Australia. They were, they came to the states in '70s, but they were they were a bit far out. One, I don't think Americans, could, first of all, didn't really know Australia had musicians that that good, and that, these guys were way out and probably a little-
1: but yeah, oh, I'll just say a little little caveat for uh, for American fans uh, who are fans of Iron Maiden because women yeah. in chill, women in uniform is is yep. a Skyhooks cover song that Iron Maiden did.
2: Yep. Have you heard the chile sing it though the Skyhooks version? It's
1: weird compared. Whatever Steve Harris totally changed it. I will tell you there is other than I am a nutty crazy fan of the Angels. I have yeah. all, all their stuff with doc. Yeah. I, I, I love them just as much as I love ACDC. I mean that, and they never, maybe they never really hit big over here, but boy, oh boy, I fucking love them. Um, that band here in America, they called them angel city. So they wouldn't get, you know, uh, compared to angel from, you know, the East coast of, of the United States. But man, oh man! Did you ever see the? Would you ever see the Angels with Doc? I'm sure probably multiple times. Yeah. Well, we
2: had. I mean, see, was seventies from the pub scene, so we could see all those bands seven days a week. They were playing anywhere in Australia seven days a week, and yeah, had Rose Tattoo. Oh, I love Rose Tattoo. I, I can remember seeing ACDC at a local hall in 1974. Um, and that was just when bonner had come in, so bonner replaced Dave Evans, um, and uh, yeah, there was bands called Hush, um, The Hooks, Sherbet. It's uh, a Buffalo. Uh, oh yeah, They're Buffalo. they Really, uh, great early kind
1: of heavy. I like them a lot. I have I have one of their uh, albums. Good stuff. Yeah, there's so much great music in Australia. The yeah, early early 70s was uh, was amazing. We'll never
2: experience that that again. We had so many places to play over there. Yeah. there was. Well, yeah, so you had that whole pub scene. I mean, if you look yeah. at that now, that's been dominated by the pokies. But you've still got 3,000 pubs in a country that has 26, 000, uh, 26 million people. There's a, Yeah, so there's a lot of venues. Well, but-
0: yeah, and, and I think it's also important for for people to remember,
2: Australia
0: is a physically huge country.
2: Yeah.
0: So, so, so when, when, when you said, well, yeah, you know, seven days a week, you could see these bands out playing anywhere. Yeah. But if you're on one coast of Australia, you're not just hopping in the car and driving to the other coast. exactly (laughs) You're flying. I mean, so, so I think to some extent, people hear Australia and they think, Oh, Melbourne, Sydney, there's a lot of other metropolitan cities that are, significant distances away that you could literally do a australian tour because it's that big
2: exactly yep yep so um yeah it's it was just a great time and the the kissing was uh was amazing um well how about the build-up like what about like
1: in 77 i mean what was the build-up because i have like spunky magazine and you know, so again, just being a big geeky Kiss collector, they seem to get a lot of press. Uh, Jukebox is another one I think I have. Did Did you um,
0: recall any rumors, any talk about Kiss touring there in '77? Yeah, it was,
2: I mean, they came. They had Rock and Roll All Night on Countdown, and around that time, so that that would have been early '75. Um, they were getting a lot of airplay, and. Yeah, probably the mid seventy seven. There was a few rumours that they were because the whole Japan thing was. was Hold
1: on, I'm going to go get something that I want you to because I think you'll dig seeing it. I'm going to go get something.
2: So yeah, so there was certainly um, any time major acts were coming to Japan, it was always assumed that they would, the chance they would pop down to Australia as well, while they while they're out this side of the planet.
0: Well, so so. When when that was starting to happen around 77, was there a little bit of a hysteria starting to bubble that, oh, my God, Kiss might be
2: coming here? No, no, I don't. No, there wasn't really a hysteria. See, the, the thing that was interesting with Kiss I found in Australia, and it was probably similar around the world, was at that point you were a Kiss fan of your word. Right. And, I mean, I can remember getting in punch-ups. Yep by someone, of, you know, saying, oh, uh, Kiss of this or Kiss of that, and, you know, wear makeup, and, you know, you get into a scrap. Um, so it was building up from that. So that whole Kiss Army theory is, is really what was happening. Um, Here, yeah, I want to show you these, because this is what I was talking
1: about. This is from 1975.
2: Uh, you remember yeah. these? Yep,
1: yeah, that's. I have all of all them. All of them, that all them that I know. Yeah. These are the music surveys they called them, right? These these were at your record stores, right? They used to come out every Thursday. Yep. All right here's I'll just show you them and make right. sure you can the but that's the whole thing. That's why I wanted to ask. This is from seventy this is December of
2: seventy-five. Yeah, that would have been just after uh Rock and Roll the Night went on the first time.
1: Yep. Um that one, you know, seventy-six. But I mean, these—that's what I mean. So Kiss was being, somebody was printing these things, yep. um, you know. Hey. Yeah, I remember. Who,
0: getting Peter, who was the? Oh, we lost. We heard Mark. Who was what the record? There? I don't know. Who was the record label for Kiss in Australia? Ooh, that's
2: a good question. Back then. Um, that's a point. Uh, well, these were all, these were called the three. Yeah, that's the radio.
1: That's, oh, okay, music uh, survey.
2: I don't know. who Was it Mercury? I don't, I don't know. Verti- I, Vertigo? I, I, Vertigo, geez, I Vertigo was
0: UK or Europe, I wasn't it? Um, that's
2: a good question.
0: I, I mean, because obviously it seems like they, they must have had a pretty good label working them in Australia yeah. that, because all of this stuff, like what Mark is showing, is happening right. because a label is somewhere
1: behind him going, yeah, we're going to do this. That, that was the point I wanted to make, is that that was from – seven. those things are 75, 76, 77. So somebody was getting into the Australian consciousness because, you know, they're trying to sell Kiss – they're trying to sell records. Yeah. Because, like, on that one in the 75, Kiss isn't on the – Kiss isn't on the – the playlist, but Kiss made For their little fly. Yeah, so, you know, I just thought it
2: was uh, was odd, that's all. I mean, because those are professionally done. And Countdown was the first real rock show that we had in Australia to advertise bands. With Molly Meldrum. Exactly, yep. And yep. I can remember, you know, when rock and roll and I played, um, I think the album styles of Kiss Alive were next to nothing in Australia. Within a week of that, it had sold out Australia-wide. So that one show pushed them everywhere. And that's when the follow-up, obviously the record company then um, decided they better get on XY. XY was playing them all the time. XY was our number one rock show, the number one DJs. Um, It was breaking new music all the time. It wasn't just playing regurgitated old stuff. It was right into all the new stuff, anything new. Um, Yeah, but there was certainly a a, a following that was building up to the hysteria of coming. Um, And I I think probably from any time from 77 to 80, you would have had that. The hysteria of um, the dynasty album, or dynasty as you call it, Um, that certainly with I Was Made For Loving You tipped him into the general public as well into the the more mainstream music side of it Um, and that that just you had I mean that show was just like five year old kids up to 26 year olds, 30 year olds Um, it was just an amazing show of, and it was the biggest one in um, Australia at that point
0: Peter, how did their popularity carry over to the elder? So, I mean, obviously you had Dynasty and you had Unmasked, they were huge, taken away from the fact that all this merchandise had to be warehoused and wasn't being sold. But, you know, over here in the US, it was seen as Dynasty, Unmasked, Elder, it was like a downward trend. Yep. Did did was it was it that apparent in Australia? Did things really fall out for Elder or was there still some kiss love going on?
2: Oh no, it's certainly Elder to be honest, is one of my favorite. I love it. Um it's a very well, uh, look at the time, Peter. Peter, you've done a great job. Thanks
1: <laughs> for being on
2: the show. <laughs> I think you can speak to most Australians that for some reason did get in the cold with us. I, 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 perhaps it was something that we'd never heard before this way. Um, and it sort of, yeah, it certainly dropped. The sales certainly were nowhere near the, the, the previous two releases. But, it, um, man, I think if you ask Gene and that, every time they come to Australia, they get hammered to play stuff off like that.
1: So. What they do here too, uh, you know, when you go to the meet and greet things, and when they're doing those acoustic sets, just a couple of years ago, you know, that's all. You know, people just are so. You know, we talk about this all the time on the show. You know, the reason it's so easy to talk about, you know, the elders, it's so freaking inter- interesting. It's a, it's a train wreck. You know what I mean? But it's, you know, there's some. Big, look, I, I always joke around. Look. I, I look at things through the timeline and I just remember being heartbroken. But, you know, as a music fan, yeah, I like some of the stuff on that record. It doesn't suck. But, uh, you know, as we talk about a lot on the show, I, I just am perplexed by the certain fans who try to outfan the other one in their sophistication that oh. The Elder is the greatest album. No, it's not. Not even close. They could barely fucking keep their careers going because nobody liked it. Nobody cared at the time. It's so, you know, revisionist history when people go, oh, it's the great. No, it's not. I mean, you can, you can, because music is subjective, you could say, oh, it's my favorite record. That's valid. But to say that's their, you know, their marking champion. You you, 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 you
0: can't, you can't, you you can say it's a great record, but you can't say they were Immensely popular and and people loved them because no, that wasn't the case because again, yeah, if you were a KISS fan during those times, we all noticed our friends who used to be KISS fans turning away, Mm -hmm. especially here in the U.S. I mean, again, when you went from dynasty to unmasked to elder and that just a lot of members of the KISS army went AWOL. They yep. deserted.
1: They left. They had. Yeah, had- I always, you know, again, you know, each one of us has a unique perspective. But I've been a fan since the fall of '74. My older brother brought, you know, hotter than hell home, and that's when I started getting into all this. So, you know, my heartbreak on the elder is genuine, and it. But it's going to be different from somebody who got into the L, who started liking Kiss in 1996. I get that. But you also have to, you know, remind some of the fans that that's not how it that's not how it happened. Why do you think Gene and Paul don't talk very well about it? Because it damn near crashed the ship. Matter of fact, it did crash the ship. They just survived it. You know, we've even had past guests on where, you know, uh, Ace was out of the band after they did that. I mean, he didn't, you know. Uh, I, who was our guest, Michael? Uh, <laughs> and the itinerary, and this is in the in the in the spring of uh, of '82. Oh,
0: was 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 that when we had the guy who did the artwork designs for the proposed Elder
1: tour? Yeah, correct. And we they they said yeah, we saw, right. We in saw the mem-
0: we saw memos and memos, budgets yeah. that are we budgeting for a lead guitar player.
1: Yeah, wow. because Ace was gone. You know, we, we were
0: all always led to believe Ace was still in there for the Alder. He was still there around the Killers, and it wasn't until Creatures that he left. Mm. But we were seeing evidence that, no, he was gone already. He, they he, Let's put it this way. They knew he was going to be gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So in, in Australia, I think the first three albums – it was very lukewarm. I don't reckon many would have really known it. Perhaps some really hard, hard Kiss fans would have known about them. Uh, rock and Roll or Night on Countdown blew that album out of the water. And then the first time I really noticed more people talking about Kiss was Rock and Roll Over. That was, to me, that was the one we you saw people walking around with that t shirt on and that, that, that whole thing that was to me was the old one that everyone goes you know wow this is becoming mainstream again that's when they were getting the juke
1: and they were getting the spunky they were getting into the that's how come I said earlier in the conversation that again they were supposed to tour australia in 77 i wonder what kind of reception they, would it have been the Kisteria, or would it have been like when Deep Purple or their Stones came? which was just, don't get me wrong, a big
2: rock show, but without the, you know. I think the three extra is probably helped them. It built up the myth and everything of this huge stage show. Um, there was a lot, you know, that I was made for Loving You was everywhere. And that was the video of that was showing Australians what... Is, is this stage show coming? And it still hasn't come here. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure if the same hysteria would have happened back then. Um, I think that we were just starting to get into it. It was sort of that two-year period from 75 when it's really... that alive started to really take off. Um, and then, you know, as I said, then, you know, rock and roll over was when everyone sort of went, oh, wow. Um, so... I think eighty was probably for Australia perfect timing.
0: Yeah, it it seems like you had the the awareness and the demand was really building up to an explosive. We you know whenever they showed up, it was finally going to explode. Because yeah, by 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 nineteen eighty, Kiss was worldwide. Everybody yeah. around the world knew about Kiss, knew about the Kiss Army loved them, hated them, whatever. And yet, you know, I'm assuming in Australia, you're like, yeah, great. They haven't been here. They're not coming here this year. They're not coming here this year. They're not coming. Finally, they're coming. And it's like, I can only imagine. It was the way I felt when I heard the concert ad for Creatures that they were coming to my hometown. And it was going to be my first KISS concert. I
2: exploded. I'm just like,
0: Oh my God, KISS is coming.
2: Yeah, and I, I think they got into that bit where you—it was cool to be a Kiss fan then. in by 1980, and you, yeah, you know, I think it certainly, as you said before, I think there was a, a, a pull along to it of of crowd and people just, you know, it was, it was like the, uh, the this massive unknown circus that come to town, and if you didn't go to it, geez, you were going to be ostracised at school because what were you going to talk about? Nothing. So well, that's, just...
1: one of the, that's one of the things that's fascinating again, why I'd like, because it wasn't just the rock fans. Oh, it no. was uh, again, you know, women's weekly and the, in the tabloids and TV guide. And I mean, your country just, I mean, these guys were yeah. conquering heroes. They just weren't a rock band. Yeah, they, they I, I want to ask you a question too. How, how were you kind of like super bummed when you heard that Peter wasn't in the band anymore? What was your initial reaction? The reason I say that is this by that time, Kisses already toured multiple times in the United States. And, you know, so you're like, you know, keep in mind, it's the, it's night. Cause he didn't announce that he was leaving till literally a couple of months before. So, so what was it like for you when it was like, okay, Kiss, we know Kiss is coming in the fall, and then wah-wah, Peter leaves. What, what was uh,
2: it like? <laughs> it was a bummer. For sure. <laughs> it was like, but then they did that um, they did that countdown interview yep, and all that. from New York City, yeah. And Eric came across so humble. Um, I think that's what the Australian fans. If he'd come across in an egotistical way, I think that could have caused. But he he just came across such as a as a nice guy. You know, like he could be your next door neighbour. Um, so I, I think that that allowed the Australian fans to accept that they weren't going to see the the full original lineup. Um, but this guy, yeah, you know, he's he's, a, he's a, he looks like a good bloke and. He was, um, and down he came and uh, yeah, it would have been great to see, that's a, probably the one thing I wish I had, um, when we did see it in the um, the reunion tour, the farewell tour, but it would have been, oh, that's the one thing I would have loved to see them at 75, 76 period, um, especially seeing some of the videos on them and that would have been pretty cool. But yeah, look. Initially, it was especially the—I mean, the 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 ones that hopped on the wagon <coughs> didn't bother them at all, because to be honest, the, the 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 number one face being pushed was Gene, um, number two was Paul, so they were the two that were on ninety percent of all the interviews um, in the magazines being interviewed.
0: Well, I mean, let's 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 be honest. I mean, as Mark's attested to in a f- few episodes. You know, Peter re- rarely did interviews on his own yep. anywhere. And yep. and, he, and even Ace, Ace was not a big, big interview. No. It was always Gene and Paul. Yep.
2: So I, I think that had one of those not been coming, that might have been a bit of a different story. Um, but.
0: What, Peter, during that kisteria, what are a couple of your biggest and best memories besides seeing them live so everything that everything but the live show what was something where you're just like man that was the coolest thing to see them in this paper or on this show or buy this piece of merch i think
2: the the biggest thrill i can remember was when i saw the news that they'd landed at tullamarine they were getting off the plane that that was like oh wow because I mean we're we're over the other side of the earth back in the early 70s you know bands not many bands would come because it was such an expensive tour um but yeah to see that and to see they've landed all of a sudden the reality struck in, and it was like holy shit man I can remember my heart and I can remember ringing my mates my mates you know you get on the old telephone and um We'd all catch up, oh shit, they're coming to here. They're actually here. And that yeah, that was the start of it. And then the next morning, freaking hell, every every local paper, every daily paper had the photos. And yeah. So that that early period was amazing. And the other bit I really enjoyed was the night we all camped out before the show. Because it was all it was all just love. It was all everyone was there to have an Ball. No one was there to cause issues and to have. I don't know. There was probably ten thousand people camped outside waiting to get in overnight, and everyone was just there. Was kiss music? People had their big boomers. Um, I can remember we had our. My mate had his station wagon, and he's opened the back, and we got kiss blaring out, and you stayed up all night. Just all you heard was kiss music, and yeah, it was just. It was like you'd gone away for a summer holiday. And here's all the people you only see every summer and they're all in one and we're all KISS fans and we're all loving and no one's, no one's causing any hassles. It was just fantastic. My smile
1: is hurting from hearing that. That yeah, is fucking I, love, awesome. I, I
0: love hearing that sort of stuff from fans. It's like you were there, you lived it, you breathed it, you know, here we're, we're on the other side of the world. We only hear about it after the fact what was it like to experience
2: it? And then, and then I remember when they opened the. Oh, then they were they were doing a sound check in the afternoon. I think it was about three o'clock, and the the, the roar of that crowd again, because by then probably another twenty thousand, there's probably thirty thousand people waiting to get in. Then um, it was like you were actually watching the show because they were they were so loud and it was the uh, build up, and then when the gates opened. Oh man, that was that was like it. And then of course, when you hear that Melbourne, you know the intro. That you, you could barely hear the intro because of the noise of the crowd. It was it was just amazing. I mean, this this venue was that normally would hold eighty thousand people, so it's a big big venue. It was for football. Um, and so there was, I think there was 45,000 there, was 45 to 50,000 on one side. And then the stage took up the oval and yeah, it was um, just that noise. And I can remember, I always remember the, cause they came up from under the stage, you know, and you hear that. Yeah. Oh, and your heart, that, that was it. Cause you knew shit, they're here. Um, so yeah, that, they're probably the main things I remember from it, and yeah. Then, to be honest, I think once you got into the show, you were you were looking everywhere because um, you're trying to see the all the effects, and uh, not that it became a blur, but you were so intent on oh, what's Jean doing or or oh, what's Paul doing there because it's so animated, and it's not like we'd seen them two or three times. We'd seen them obviously on videos and that, so you were sort of yeah. But it was. Um, and then you yeah, I can remember I mean everyone left in just it was like you died and gone to heaven, everyone was out in the front talking i think I think we didn't leave that. We had our car, and I reckon we were there for three hours after talking to people. It was just it was just uh, yeah we, were, we only lived ten minutes away. i don't even know why we drove our car, but we did but it was yeah, it was a blast
0: back, uh, back then, as a kiss fan, were you? collecting and saving stuff as it came out was it were a lot of people or was that sort of were you was that were were you, were you not thinking of it from that standpoint
2: uh, all my I, I wish I had photos my room any poster I got went on the roof or the walls it was just covered um yeah like like there exactly like Mark's place. I'm looking at my Vita Brits one right over here uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they're on everything icy poles cereal yep Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, yeah, no, we certainly, anything we bought sort of went up on the wall, especially posters and, no, I didn't even We had, the,
1: we had the, the cereal boxes and, I mean, it was, I, I, I cannot, especially if you're a younger fan, and that's one of the reasons I bring this kind of stuff up, imagine, you know, a world where Kiss was literally, you know, they were in your supermarket. Yep. It, it wasn't just a concert that was coming to town. I mean,
2: you can't overstate the the press they got there. Yeah, it was amazing. They 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 were the hottest thing in the country, far anything. Yeah. Which is again, while I was equally
1: equally kind of going, well, you know, by the spring of '81, it was gone. You know, it, it, it that's the, the it that's went the away country. so quickly. Yes, it's fat. Well, the buildup, like you said, the buildup was over the years, and yeah. then you know they did the shows, and then and they were gone. I mean, like losing your virginity the first time. There's been a massive- If I if I can if I can dig up that one article, I'll I'll, uh, which I'm pretty sure I know where it's at. Um, I'll post that on our site because it's right. weird. Seeing you know these guys going, What am I going to do with this
2: warehouse of KISS stuff? You know, one of the things Australians did do in the printing though back then, because I that's the field I actually came from, um, was they overprinted a lot. Um, I mean, back then we would uh, our population was probably uh, what, 13 14 million, and they probably printed 50 60 thousand of things because they their mind their whole mindset was. Shit! The more we print, the cheaper it becomes. Rather than, oh, we're going to, th- you know, we'll have to throw away all this. Um, where that's now changed, it's yeah, completely reversed. Now you print your orders. And- is is
0: is there a um, mystery garbage dump somewhere in the suburbs of Melbourne and Sydney <laughs> that fans are like, I could only dig deep enough, I'd find the cache of Kiss stuff.
2: I, I think. Look, there, there would have been up to a certain point, but yeah, there's there's so many discount stores now and so many discount sellers. They'd be well and truly. Well,
1: it's forty years now.
2: I mean, even though just recently, um, I know Skyhooks because they were my favourite Australian band. They had a nine on transfer, and someone just recently found three hundred of them in a in a office, an old office in Queensland. So, you know, if there's a lot of stuff done you never know when it, it, it there was a couple different ones because i have all
1: those australian irons those are those and again guys that's what i'm trying to that was in the newspaper that wasn't in a rock magazine that was that was in a newspaper
2: yeah, that was the, the
1: telegraph uh, i think is one of them i'm trying yeah. to think of the yeah just uh just crazy hey you know obviously um you know the casteria talk here is great but uh, you also did something really, really cool. You brought Peter Chris over, um, to uh, do his last show, I guess, in, uh, how, in how Australia. The, how did how
0: did how did that idea come about, and how did uh, uh, how did you put that deal together?
2: Uh, well, I'd been speaking to um, DJ <laughs> before this. Um, it all started when. Um, it, uh, It started initially, I started talking to Peter about doing something for KISS World, um, because I I was very conscious that, um, and Jean and Paul, to their credit, I told them I'd be dealing with each member separately, and that what the discussions I had with each member would be uh, confidential as per like yours are. So um, I was placed in a, a unique position where I heard this side and I heard that side, and yep. ne- never told the other side what they were saying about each other. And in the end, that's that's why Vinny in the end did, in a way, trust us and got us, signed everything and got to meet us because he, he'd soon learned that we weren't telling anyone else about anyone else's stuff. Um, so, uh, so initially, Peter was like, oh, wow. He was sort of, oh, no, June and Paul are going to rip me off. I said, no, no, it, it, it comes from our company. We're going to send you your royalty this is your royalty we'll pay you um it doesn't go to anyone else just it'll come directly to you whatever so that's how it initially started um then when the whole thing didn't happen we wrote a letter um to everyone who was involved in it and told them that it just unfortunately wasn't going to continue because of what had happened um and peter um probably HPA more than he had emailed me back saying Really appreciate you letting us know, and Peter was was grateful for your offer initially. Keeping contact. Go forward from um, when we did the Peter thing seven years back. I contacted, um, I think it was Ralph. Yeah, I think Ralph. He then talked to Gigi, Gigi then contacted me, and uh, GG and I struck up a friendship. So we we communicated for many years, she she kept saying, oh, you know, Peter, he's not, doesn't really want to do anything. And so I said, oh, look, yeah, I'll just catch up. Um, And then one day she just texted me out of the blue and said, Peter's interested in doing a couple of shows. And he wants Australia to be one. So we found out later that an Australian promoter had talked to her, but they wanted him to do a whole Australian tour. And she she rang me and she said, "Oh look, I need you to do this. They're not listening to me. Peter wants to do one show in Melbourne, and she also just heard we've I also put on the Kiss conventions in Australia, and he wants to come and appear at your Kiss convention for you." So I said, "Okay." And so anyway, the promoter, well, leave nameless. Still, I said, "Look, you're probably better doing him because they're they're set up." She said, but Petey's not listening to us. We don't want to do it to And they kept saying, so I said, okay. So that long story short, I then said to her, well, here's the deal. So um, then Peter started getting on the phone um, and we, we hit it off really well. Um, he was, uh, he had a few little quirks, but nothing to what I had after Vinnie.
0: After Vinny, everybody is, is normal.
2: Uh, So look, he, he was, um, they were both fantastic. So, um, no matter what anyone says, they, um, they, we pay for their airfares to get here. Everything else they made was on ticket sales and signing. So there was no blackmail of upfront monies, um, they were they were great he he came and he signed he only wanted to perform in front of we've got a, a venue that he liked which was a um, at the um, ibis which was had this beautiful ballroom so sitting down it was 250 people that's it he said that's fine that's all I want I don't I don't I don't want I want to be able to come out he said he's going to walk through and he, he was amazing he came he came from the back um, he did You Can't Stop the Rain. That's my favorite song. I love that song of his. So he learned that he'd never played it anywhere or sung it anywhere. He came out singing that. He walked right through the crowd, um, went up, performed amazingly. Um, the crowd just loved it. Um,
1: the band was Australian. They were really good. Yeah, that I was managing. Could you talk about the band? Could you please talk about the band a little bit?
2: I was managing them at the time, um, unfortunately after that we had a bit of a fallout, so mm. anyway. um, yeah so the band was Sisters Doll, um, they were uh, three uh, three brothers um, and then we got Mike McLaughlin, so Peter who played on uh, the Chris Elvin with Pete um, and then we put together a mini uh, string section and all that from um, some contacts through the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra who were involved with the Kiss Symphony um, and the really cool thing was all this could have been um, all the musicians they all got paid but they reduced their rate after they meet Petter and rehearse with him because they're like man I just want to be involved in this and it was yeah it was, it was fantastic so had they charged their normal rate we wouldn't have been able to do it because the, the fact is we had we were limited in the ticket sales, so as you know, you know once you limit something, that's all the money that's going to come in. Um, and yeah, so they they rehearsed twice, but you just knew it from the first rehearsal I can remember the first rehearsal. They all just clicked. They had all done their homework, um, and it just clicked. I, I, they they did uh, they did a warm up on rock and roll all night, which didn't end up going into the show, but it just clicked. it was just, it was just amazing. And to hear the, the string and Peter had, he knew exactly the style he wanted those strings and the violins and the, it, he knew exactly where he wanted them. And he was spot on. The dynamics were just incredible between him and Mike McLaughlin arranging it. And you just knew we were sitting there just going, man, this is gonna blow people's minds when they hear it. Um, and then so he put his heart and soul into it and then for probably a good hour after we walked him around and he he met every single person except for one table and that was because the only reason that was was the we'd asked the crowd to sit down five or six times and you know how some KISS fans can be they kept crowding him and we just we had to pull the plug for his safety because you know um but he, he he sat and he talked to every single one of them, and it was, you know, anyone who went to it, I, I I'd be very surprised if they had a bad word. It was it was just a, a fantastic night, but two hundred and fifty people saw, and that was it. Now the catch is, there is video and there is sound. <laughs> now we're going to try and get that out. <laughs> Because it's, it's well worth eventually. And look, it'll eventually come out. We just say that um, perhaps people who recorded it, perhaps their heads have got to be big. <laughs> oh, forgetting- well, you know now. Now that
1: you've, you you peak this, is was it professionally recorded? Wow. Yep. Indeed. Yep. There's something. I, I, we, we need we we need more
0: information. There's a hoarder somewhere sitting on this. That's what the fans are going to hear. God damn it! There's a hoarder who's hoarding that professionally uh, recorded. Uh, Peter,
1: let's go. Let's go. We
2: need more details. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the current situation is that the um, the deal that are, are, uh, not with Peter, Chris at all, or JJ. The deal done with the um, the, the video side um, has not been honored to the point of where all of a sudden what they got paid is they've decided they need more. Because... The video they- company. Yep. So like all these things, guess where that ends up?
0: So, so I guess what you're saying is, if oh, I'm hearing this correctly, the video company... Is sitting on the footage right now, and isn't, and it's not in your possession. It's not in oh, Peter's possession until no, we,
2: we both have it. You just can't release it. So, well, we can, but then we just end up in a in a mudsling.
1: All right, is- I'm going to ask you: uh, Have you heard the audio? And I, I, I'll just. Just because you're talking to Kiss fans, quality of the audio 10 10 out of 10. That is beautiful. That is so, and because he was playing a great set list.
2: Oh, and look, we oh man, it's 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 I've seen the roughs of I mean, I've got the roughs of the video. Um, and once that's edited properly, it's it just has to come out. And I look, all I I I don't even care if I, we make nothing out of it. I, I just I want it to come out before it's too late.: Well, conven-
0: you know, Peter, conveniently, you own your own record label.): <laughs> yep.
2: And we've got a very a very good music lawyer' just hired, so:
0: So is, is the, video, the issues with the video company also holding up the audio? So you could potentially release the audio on its own, and there's no roadblocks in front of you for that, is there?
1: Nope. Well, that's great to hear because all there is um, from like the New York set, you know, when he did the actual last last show that he ever did, is is you know there's just fan film stuff, and it's it's actually a really cool show. Um, boy, I'd I'd love to see love to hear something professionally recorded yeah, because I, he, he was really doing you know some great songs and and uh y- you know and it wasn't the standard kiss set you know like how ace does it
2: was when you, you hear uh, when you hear Strutter with all the horns and that my god that's just just blew me away yep.
1: boy boy cannot uh, that cannot come out fast enough i need to hear that
2: uh, i mean i the The number one reason I would love to see it out is that it will show one person who has hung a lot of shit on Peter about his lack of vocals and musicianship. It will show that person because one thing I'll say is from those shows, when some of it leaked out through the fans, there wasn't one detrimental comment to Peter from certain people um, because they couldn't be detrimental because he was brilliant. Those, that, the Melbourne show, he was spot on. He he forgot a couple of words, but that was because he was singing from his heart. He, he was, he was, I remember one stage there, he, he was actually crying and, you know, he, he was so overwhelmed that 250 people wanted to come and see him and they were there with true love. Like it, it, it wasn't, these were people that loved him for who he was and... The whole night just came through and I can say that the sound and the video show that.
1: Well, I tell you what, no one's been tougher on Peter um, talking about his performances through from the reunion tour on than me. And the reason I say that is because I have a video and audio examples time and time again. And, And Mike, you were close to the band at that time. You know a lot of the politics that were going on at the time you know Michael lived it you know there was a lot of look it wasn't good and that was the that's the thing why I'm kind of fascinated with you know this show that you did with him in Australia even the the one in New York it was just Peter there was no excuses and if he didn't perform it was all on him and I think he took those 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 examples And he did the best he could. And from everything I heard from everyone I talked to that went to New York, to the people I've talked to in Australia, they all said the same thing. Boy, Mark, you missed a great show. You know, um, so I'm really excited to hear, you know, some of the songs off of his solo record and hearing, like you said, Strutter with the strings, because you know what? For, for, I think for those shows, he really did show, what he was capable of, um, you know, when he really wanted to be. And that's the part that disappointed me as a KISS fan, you know, from the reunion tour on some shows he cared, some shows he he didn't. And as a, you know, as a drummer and everything, I got to admit, I thought the best he played on all the tours was, was the one in Oh three. I thought he was most consistent Um, the one with Tommy Thayer, um, I don't know if it was coming off the discipline of the, um, you know, the, the symphony orchestra thing, or I don't know, I, you can just kind of speculate, but it's, it warms my heart to hear that, that you, I can just see in your face, Peter, how much that show meant to you. So boy, I I hope it comes out.
2: Um, Have you seen the video from a phone of Sing 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 he does in Melbourne? Yes. Yes. Man. He, you know, that, that that he he wanted to put that in the set because he said that's that's where I learned to drum. And yeah, man, you can those see those beats it. are in the alive fucking in the alive solo. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and that just blew everyone just just mesmerized. If you actually listen, you hear a pin drop because everyone's just like, what the hell? This isn't my style of music, but listen to this guy drum. And uh, yeah it was just as
1: yeah. they say that's his wheelhouse that's what he grew up and you could tell you know so
2: you know, even when he came to the convention he had two two full days there and you know, you, as i say to people you got to remember his age he we had an area so he had a queue massive queue he wanted a room where no more than two or three people would come in at a time so he could talk to him and actually hear him and you know it it took longer than he was wanted that initially we'd done and had security for. Um, but he just, he was a true, he, he, he sat there and he listened, you know, he, I remember this one lady was probably in the mid forties and she was talking about, you can't stop the rain. And she said, you know, when I heard that song, that saved my life. Mm. And all of a sudden he's crying, she's crying and we're in because we're in a bit of a mode where we know we're going <laughs> to... He can't see the queue outside. We do know it. And so you're in that motion of, shit. do we move people on or don't you? And then you look at him and you go, nah, you let them have their time. And whether that's one minute, 30 seconds, two minutes, that's it. And he, he was great. He was, you know, there was one stage there and there was a video where I'm trying to get him out and it really annoyed me. He, he actually, he was dehydrating a bit. And someone put up, oh, looks like Peter's still drunk. You know, wow. he, he wasn't drunk, he was dehydrated because he wanted to not disappoint any fans. Um, and he, look, I, I can't speak, I cannot speak highly enough of um, him and Gigi on that tour. They, they were great, you know from the bottom, bottom of my heart, you know, I love those two. They were fantastic. Um, I can remember when Gigi came down, there was one fan who was, found out the hotel we are at and he was sitting down the bottom, this guy uh, name was Sash. And she said, look, Pete's not gonna come out, you know, he's, he's his age, you know, do, come back tomorrow and I'll make sure Pete comes down and does it. No, no, I'm gonna sit all night just in case he does. She goes, he's not gonna come and I'm telling him him, so he sat there all night in the cold. But he, he's there next morning, um, Gigi went down for a cigarette. Naughty, Gigi. Um, and he was there. And then she says, so I get a phone call. Um, Pete, can you meet me out the front? So I get down. She goes, I want him to come and have breakfast with us. So here's this guy who is a massive Peter Puss fan. Never met him. Sat there all night. We, we take him up to the the private VIP room where they serve the breakfast. Where basically, unless you're a movie star, rock star, or a multi-millionaire, you can't get in. And they bring him in, and he had breakfast with us. He sat there for probably an hour. Him and Peter just talking about life, and you know, Pete's going, "Why would you wait there for me?" You know, and it was it was amazing. It was. Um, you know, I've dealt with a lot of a lot of them over the time. I mean, when I brought Gene out for a business talk, in, when was it, two thousand and thirteen? He was the same. I saw a side to Gene that I'd never ever seen before. Where he spoke, you know, he we had three or four cancer patients that wanted to meet him. Cameras were kicked out, and um, yeah, they're the type of things that I I think uh, what what this is all about. To me. Money's all right, but these those special moments to me mean more than anything else, just to to see people happy and to, to achieve something that they thought they could never ever, ever that, you leave. know
0: that that's that's one of the best things I got to witness in my years of working with those guys. Yeah. From working with the original band to, you know, the other incarnations that I worked with. Yep. And they just all loved fans they really do do they have bad days and bad moments and do they get frustrated of course they do just like every single one of us does come on we deal with a frustrated mark almost once a week (laughs) (laughs) but but you know it 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 really is i mean if they're not if 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 the KISS member is not under some time constraint schedule, which you've always got to keep in mind, if they're somewhere for something, there's a good chance they've got a, they've got a handler who's got to make sure they leave and get somewhere. And that's completely out of their control. And, and they might have to say, Hey, we can't talk. We've got to go. But if they can, I've seen them so many times, just stop and take a photo and shake hands and sign the autograph. And, to, you know, I've heard stories like what you talked about with Peter, where they they would all take the time out and do something because some fan just touched them.
2: Yep. Yeah, I remember the, uh, well, the last tour of Addy, I was having, um, uh, June and I having some dinner at the Crown Casino. It was like, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning and the restaurant had shut. And anyway, he said, oh, so I said, let's go. And we get out the front. When I came in, there was no one there. When we go out, there would have been about 100 people out there. Word had got round. And I said to him, oh, you know, I know another way round the back we can go. And he goes, no, let's go. And he just came out and he just said to him, I'm going to keep walking. If you want to take selfies, have me sign, I'm going to do it all before I get to my room and I'll sign them all, but I just got to keep walking. And it was fantastic. See, every single person got a signature and a photo and just... Yeah, you know, we could have easily. You could have easily avoided him. I could have taken him down the back way and, but up, he said they've they've come out of their way to be here at this time in the morning. I'm going to go out and meet them and get a photo and sign whatever they want. And uh, I think that's when you, you realise that you know, the uh, the fans are extremely important. Um, yeah, yeah. And the same with the Peter. The Peter thing was you no, know, I. I The other thing that touched me about Peter, I can remember we, GG was on him about his diet. Anyway, um, it was like, he's not, he was getting sick of the the, the hotel room service food. And he said to me, Pete, GG's asleep, is there a Macca's? And And there was a Macca's across the road. So him and I nicked down, he's got his hoodie over his head. We go into the Macca's and we've got our burgers and we've got our back to the door oh and then we heard it you two peters it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly where we were that's going? Weird. because you know he had a he's, he's got to watch his health and his heart and i'm like hey i'm just the handler <laughs> but it, yeah it's funny and the, anyway she ended up having one with us as well so but yeah so and and then he just you know he wanted to go we got some we got a beautiful St Paul's cathedral catholic church um it's amazing architecture and um, it, it's not always open so we rang um, the Archbishop or whatever, um, that, but, um, and we said we've got this Peter Chris. he didn't have a clue. Anyway, we took Peter down there and he spent an hour having a look around. It was, it was really really cool that you know he he appreciates and wants to know about your city. Um, that's one of the things I really found interesting with him that he's just doesn't want to sit in the hotel room. You'll you'll want to have a look around. Um, I, I researched and found he loves um, telescopes. So he was on the top floor and he had a a, a three hundred and sixty view of the whole of Melbourne and the bay. So I got this big telescope up there so he could look around, and um, yeah, it's amazing. So uh, yeah, cannot speak highly of all of them. So
0: have you had any um, other discussions with Peter and Gigi about? putting on that same type of event elsewhere? I mean, obviously, you yeah, wouldn't want to do another one in Australia because he did his final one in Australia, but... Yeah,
2: look, we've had um, a few fan clubs approach us. Um, nothing nothing has gone ahead. Um, I suppose, in some ways, but they were so good, and I know the work he did put in, like... Um, and what you were saying before, Mark? Yeah, you're not going to Peter, and he'll admit himself. He, he's not about doing a tour. It's, he, he's, his age is restrictive on that, and um, the lifestyle he wants to lead doesn't lead to that. Um, but look, it, it could there could be some more, but I'm not really sure. I I think he had two shows that <clears throat> really touched his heart, and to him were the perfect way to hang it up. Um, so yeah, I, it'll be interesting. But so,
0: I, so, so then let me ask you, I mean, as, as somebody who's worked directly with Peter on this, as a big Kiss fan, do you personally just think Peter is, is done? Do you think there will be any more shows or is he finished?
2: Um, I'm a never say never person. But I, I, I think what I just said before is I think they are so... Those two shows were so great and he was on such a high um, as far as how good they were and the reaction. I I really believe that that's, that to him is the perfect way to end his life side of things. Um, I have heard some of his tracks he did for a rock album and they were actually... Really? Now, he's had it for a while, um, but uh, whether that'll come out or not. But now that I own a record company, we would certainly be very <laughs> keen to put that out. Um, so, uh, yeah, that side of it. Um,
1: yeah, look, I got—I got to ask you a question once we're done, which I don't want
2: to broadcast. Yep. So. The, um, I look. I know being an entertainer. There's always that, I think, deep down that you, well, can I do one more? Um, So I I would never say no, um, because I think if he got the right, if it was the right vibe and the right environment, if it was just to do a show and that was it and nothing really special, then no, I don't think it's gonna happen. But if it was something around breast cancer Something along those lines, or something where he thought there was some real added value to. And the one thing I did find is he's very spiritual. That that really surprised me how spiritual he is. Um, so I think if he thought there was a way that 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 was big, then there's there is an opportunity that perhaps he could perform live. But I, I I think he's really
0: well. Finished. And 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 let, and let me ask you this because. I'm sure somebody would want to know why I didn't ask. And again, I you don't have any further insight into this than anybody else does. It's just your personal opinion. If he was given the opportunity to tour one final tour with Kiss, would he go back and do it? I mean, based on your comments, where Gigi said he doesn't want a tour. It's his, you know, his age and all that stuff. Do you, um, do, you do you think he would pass on a full tour?
2: Yeah, I do. I, I think if it was, um, I mean, if they said to him, um, I, I, look, if, if it was a, let's say if it was a 10 or 11 day show tour, possibly, I think anything longer than that, I, I, I just, I think he's, he's just not, um, yeah, it's a world tour, not a hope in hell, um, a US tour of 50 shows, I, I, I doubt it. Um, and I s- come back and do a show at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I, I reckon that, that could be on the cards. The, the, the problem you're going to have is if Gene and Paul insist that um, Eric is still wearing the cat makeup, it won't happen.
0: So let, let, you know, we've been talking for, I don't know, a couple hours here. So before we wrap up, let me ask you this final question. When when you had him in Australia, did he give you any indications of his feelings about the cat makeup in current KISS?
1: No inside information on this. I just know how really sentimental Gene and Paul are for the very, very end. I I, I would think there's no way they're doing a final show or a final couple shows without ace and peter in some capacity um that's just not gonna happen. they are going to be included at the very 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 end of this um again just how sentimental there and if you go back and and, you know there's there's some some kind of telling stuff one of my favorite interviews although i hate the magazine but when, when Rolling Stone had Kiss on the cover, when was that, Michael? For 2014? When, when yeah. were they inducted? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that was
0: 2014 when they were inducted.
1: Because I the quote that Paul said says a lot. If you remember, and I'm paraphrasing here, Paul said something along the lines like, just, just so they know, Gene and Paul talk, we talk about them every day meaning even if they're digging into them or whatever, you know, between the, between Gene and Paul, they talk about Ace and Peter every day yeah. um, and, or mention them, I think is what he said. Again, uh, you'd have to go look at the interview, but I just thought that was, that's family. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're pissed off at your family member, but you can't yeah. get them out of your soul, you know what I mean? They're, they're there. And I think That's how Gene and Paul, for as much as they, you know, weren't getting along, especially then, because, you know, if you remember Gene and Paul, they wanted to perform, but they wanted to perform with Tommy and Eric and, you know, the the hall wouldn't let them do that and all that stuff. Um, So, you know, there's a little bit of bad blood going on at the time, but to have them go, you know what, first much as they drove me crazy, we still talk about them all the time, you know, or mention them or bring something up from the past, literally daily. Yep. So I think that I, tells you a lot.
2: I, I, I think that the whole last show, original lineup Madison square gardens, so I, I think that's a pretty, pretty cool way to finish. It.
0: What's your personal take on <laughs> um, or, or, or had, has Peter said anything to you about this when you were with him about Eric Singer wearing the makeup?
2: Um, he, he, he's look, he's uh, it's pretty common, he sees it as disrespectful. Um, uh, I he has nothing against Eric for, as far as I know, he's, he's, he speaks highly of him as a drummer when we've spoken about it, or um, but. He just, it's the same with Tommy with Ace. You know. He actually he talked quite highly of Tommy when he was over over here. But I said, you know, he, at the end of the day, he's not Ace really. And that's Ace's mark. Um, you know, the whole, in, coming from licensing myself, in your opinion, the whole thing of the, the trademarks and the sell-off and all that, you know, I, I, uh, there's there's the um, there's the legal side of who owns what. Yep, that's good. But I also think there's a bit of a, a moral side. Who owns what? I think um, you know, I, I, um, I I get on well with Eric and Tommy. I personally, I would have liked to seen and perhaps have different makeup on. That's just me personally. Um, and I, but, but
0: if you put, if you put on your licensing and branding hat purely, Absolutely. you're going to, you're going to sit there and go, yeah. it would from a, business, be, perspective, we, from a be. business perspective, it would be completely stupid not to use the original
2: makeup. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And that's where I get caught. That's where the, the love, um, but yeah, look, I mean, he's, yeah, there's no doubt he, he's upset that there's someone drumming his makeup. Um, and I think that that's, yeah, and I am sure deep down um, Ace is not as perhaps flamboyant about talking about it. He just goes, there's one Ace really and that's it. Um, but I think that deep down he, he he would be. I, I
0: yeah. always wondered if Peter and Ace had any, looking back now, regrets about selling.
2: Oh, no I mean, the because of the licensing background, how we talked about it, and I said to him, I said, I mean, you should have. Your manager at the time, whoever was looking after interest, should never have sold it. Should have should leased have it, to him. it to him. Absolutely. You could have made 10 times the money. Um, so, yeah. So I think, you know, obviously he's... And this is where you put, you put your trust in people at that time who, you know, I'm sure that that person, whoever was looking after his finance at that time, said to him, well, you know, you're, they're not going to do anything about you and Ace in it, so you're better to grab the bolt now. And, you know, if you scratch the egos of those two at that time, thinking they're leaving, you perhaps that's, uh, that's what happened. But, um, I mean, anything that... Uh, has a brand on it that had, had that popularity, man, I'd, I'd always be taking the gamble to, to lease it, not sell it. But
1: Peter, Peter, you are a businessman like I am. I, mean, I run a construction company. Yeah, yeah. You, you know that one four letter word we all know so well called R-I-S-K, risk. Yeah. Because there was no guarantee that the 96, that, things were going to happen. I'm not saying that, that you couldn't go, oh, they probably will. Yeah. But how, how, do you, how do you know back then when when all this, you know, they, they got all this, sure, Tiger Stadium sold. Kiss was huge here. I'm from Detroit. Didn't mean it was going to sell well in Duluth or sell well in... Like, like, you know, Gina said so many times, we took the risk. Yeah, that's and, true. You know, so... So, you know, Ace and Peter were getting paid anyway. You know what I mean? They got, you sign your contract, you're going to be a rich man. But yeah. you, Peter and Ace, did not assume the risk. And that, in any business venture, is where the money is. Absolutely. And you can you can romanticize it all you want, but pure business principles tell you those who risk are going to get reward if there's a reward. Yes. yes. <laughs> yep. you, know, so
0: you know, you got to even look back. I mean, it, from what we know, Peter sold his makeup at some point during the 80s to Gene and Paul. At that point in time, there was no vision that it was going to ever become this. So to your point, Mark, Peter in the 80s probably was like, well, The sure money is to just take this buyout right now because, you know, they're on the crazy nights tour right now, please. They're not, you know, they're not going to become huge ever again. Um, They could have taken the risk and gambled that something more was going to happen with Kiss in the future.
1: Peter could have taken the the risk then, like you said, and leased it year by year. And maybe for those first five years, it wasn't going to draw them squat, but in the next 25 or so it would, but nobody knew that, you know, and Gene and Paul, that's where they put their cards in. They put their, that's what they banked on, that it would pay off. It was a smart business decision. That's all. And, and I got to admit, I get that kind of stuff bothers me when they talk about, Oh, you know, Gene, those guys fucking earned every penny they got. Um, and, you know, I always say this to, to about, you know, Gene and Paul, too. I have a whole house full of KISS stuff. Not once did Gene go into my pocket and take a dime. You know, every, every penny was given willingly. And, um, you know, and I, I forget the, the economist who said it. He's like, you know, greed. Only the other guy is Greedy. you know right right i'm not great every look that's just human nature people want to get is put it this way especially when you're earning it it's not something something's it's not an entitlement those guys earned every penny they have those those houses and the lifestyles would someone give it to them fuck no
0: it's 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 a perfect example of having to separate business from personal feelings. Correct. You know, I'm sure Gene and Paul had personal feelings that, yes, Ace and Peter came up with that makeup, and, you know, we brought this up together. But I can't pay my mortgage on personal feelings. Uh, Business is what puts money in the bank and allows me to take care of my kids and my family and do whatever I need to do so you follow what makes sense for your business and i think that's the challenge for kiss fans is they forget that kiss is always has been and always will be a business
1: and so has been bruce springsteen i was just
0: gonna say every you know there, there 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 there's there's I always remember hearing this a long time ago. What was the, what's the difference between a professional athlete and an amateur athlete? They can both be as skilled as the other. The difference is a professional athlete gets paid to play football. The amateur athlete doesn't get paid. Once you accept payment, you are a professional, it's a business, and that's the way you've got to
1: treat it
2: one so i mean a funny
1: a funny observation i'm a big rush fan i love rush i collect their recordings and all that stuff it's funny though when i see on one of the rush websites and they they come up and i always want to jot i always want to you know kind of throw a fly in the ointment but you know i don't want the online argument but i see them selling they're selling rush bobbleheads and i still want to go you know, I remember in high school, the Rush fans making fun of, and I was a fan of both, but the Rush fans making fun of Kiss fans for having dolls and stuff. Well, yep. now it's cool. Well, you know why it's cool? Because a band called Kiss yep. helped, helped propel that sort of thing, you know, the the, the merchandising and stuff. So, so, you know, Rush fans, especially back then, wanted to look down their noses at a band like Kiss because they had merch. Well, here it is in 2020, and Rush is fans are being offered Rush bobbleheads and Rush figurines. And guess what? I'm sure they sell them or they wouldn't keep advertising them. So, you know, who's the hypocrite? <laughs> you,
2: you know? Yeah, the, a lot of those bands that thought they were holier than now, all about the music different story now it is because of
1: bands like kiss that you know look there's another revenue stream well there's nothing embarrassing about that
0: look look i I, you know i'll keep going back to it but in 2003 kiss was the first band to sell a meet and greet for one thousand dollars and they took so much freaking heat for doing that how dare you how disrespectful how greedy of you But when the rest of the industry saw how quickly they sold out $1,000 tickets, I can tell you firsthand, because I was there, bands were lining up to knock on the door going, how do I get a piece of this business? Including some bands who won't be named, who wanted a piece of that business, but didn't want their fans to think they were greedy and wanted the money. One how do the, I uh, get paid, but how do I make the fans think I don't want to be paid? <laughs> exactly. you, e- you either are or you aren't.
2: Yep. what it comes down to. Yep. Ah, it's, a, it's an interesting world.
0: Peter, this Peter, was fascinating. Heard Gene
2: say this. I
1: know Mike has heard Gene say this. It's the music business, not the music friends. It's always been the music. Yep. Gene said that to my face. It's not the music friends. It's yep. the music business. Business.
0: There, there's more letters in the word business than there are in the word music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> For a reason.
0: <laughs> P- uh. Peter, this was this was fascinating. I mean, we covered some great topics, some incredible stories from you. You are welcome back anytime you want, especially when you want to come out and make the announcement of that Peter Chris live album being released. You can uh, come here and make that announcement.
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, will give the exclusive story about it all.
0: Um, yeah, this was this was great. You're welcome back anytime.
1: Doors open. Uh, I'm going to go you. on record right now, Peter. Um, could be the best show ever. I've I, I've had so much fun the last couple of hours um, from talking about the Australian stuff to And Mike knows this. I've been pushing for some Peter Chris talk for quite some time, so it was nice to. To get that in, and have a good subject, you know, and and have somebody that, you know, that boots on the ground that was there. Great, great discussion, my friend. Thank you so much for
2: coming on the show today. Peter is that when um, Sisters Doll came across from Australia, they actually stayed at Peter's house.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Well,
1: nice. I saw those guys at the New York Expo when Peter was a yeah. guest,
2: yes, yeah. and I was surprised to see them there. Yeah, he he he. Like I mean. Um, like a lot of people, i would heard a lot um, and uh, I've had arguments with Australian Kiss fans about this. Um, I've, I found him to be one of the most genuine humans I've ever met. Now, what he'd done in his past don't I know. I, I take it on when I meet him um, and to the same level um, Gene has always been fantastic when we've worked together. Um, I found them both to be great, great humans and fantastic to me and to my family, to be honest. Gene's awesome.
0: Great. awesome. Peter, do uh, you have anything you want to plug or promote websites, anything? Yeah,
2: if, if, look for all our news. Um, so melodic rock records is now changing to MR records. The reason mainly is so we can open the door to more, more musical acts. Um, we don't want to be hammered into an area where if, some young artist comes through and she's great in country and western and we believe in her. we we want to be able to push acts we believe in as well as take on heritage acts that um that we want to re-release the the thing we've found staggering is how many heritage acts released lps but none ever released them on the cd so we're we're doing that with a lot of australian acts and we're going to do it with a a lot of american acts coming up as well that um, have been hidden so if you go to www.melodicrockrecords.com at the moment, you'll find all the news there or on our Facebook. Um, we're going to be looking forward to working with Michael quite a bit with, uh, with a couple but of You lenses. know what?
0: Maybe, maybe we need to get Left for Dead released in Australia.
2: I would love that. I would love that. Bring it on. We. Uh, I mean, the, the, the thing I've found is there is so many other independents and larger organizations wanting the stuff um, worldwide. Um, and yeah, so we we want to be able to do that. And the, look, the beauty is you don't have to go and print ten thousand out to make some money. You know, you right. can do do a, a, a reasonable um, level. The business partner's knocking at the door. Hang on one sec. Sure. We're on the. Uh,
1: you bring up for the rest of us. Yeah,
2: my business <laughs> partner, Pete Naylor. How are guys? Hey, how well you bad. doing?
1: That's not Vegemite, is it?
2: No. <laughs> Have you had a Vegemite sandwich? Thanks, mate. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. It, look, any ideas you got like that? Absolutely. I mean, um. You know, we're now working with Ron Keel, Janet Gardner, we're looking at doing um, a special live album with Enough's Enough. Um, We've got a couple of bands out of the UK, Midnight City and a few others we're talking to. Um, And we've got some great Australian heritage acts, which you, um, there's Taste, a band called Hush, You'll love some of these acts. They're, they're just um, some great albums that have never been released on CD. And and
0: and and I think I would add, and I'm not going to name names, but just know that previous people involved with melodic rock records are not involved.
2: Correct. That's Peter and I.
0: Yeah, it's just you two guys at this point. Anything from the past is, is gone because I know there's been some – there's been issues and problems and stuff like that and we don't need to get into it but it's a clean start the name is there but it's completely new people behind it it's
2: a it's a new name new logo new attitude yep i think that sums it up you so if you go and have a look at our facebook it's done a great video clip for it um you'll see the new video clip for the the brand Um, and let's let's see what projects we can get out there so anyone out there you got a band send it send send us hey, a ukulele. line yeah ukulele see they're selling yeah. like Walt.
0: check yeah go go track down mr records and um
2: the website there's a contact there push that button and send it away
0: perfect perfect the peter Thank you, a pleasure, guys. thank you. This was awesome. a pleasure. Thank thank you for getting up so early in your day to join us.
2: Absolute blast! I just say, look, it's it's been three hours. It's I, like know, that. I know,
0: you I know, I know. It, that's always that's the way I it said. goes.
2: It fun. Great fun. All right, guys, take care. Thank you, Mark. You were a fan
1: of our show. I'm telling you, this was, if not ever, the most enjoyable show we've ever done for me that Peter's my kind of guy that just kiss talk kiss talk kiss talk and by the way no one can go oh you guys didn't talk no that's all we talked about today Yep. nothing but fucking kiss and to get those insights like you said Michael somebody boots on the ground who was at the fucking shows you know in, in in Australia 1980 and then to to be so close to Peter and his insights on everything were spot fucking on. I yep. loved it.
0: Yeah, I I, so I, much. I I you know I started doing some business work with Peter about a month or so ago, and I was like, Peter, are you the guy who was behind Kiss World? And he's like, Yeah. And then I'm like, You got to come on and tell us the real story if you want to. He's like, I'll tell it all, because that that Kiss World was huge. And then it imploded it's
1: fat like that
0: yeah it it came up and it was gonna be great and all the merchandise they were doing and you know and I remember seeing the photos of the lithograph getting autographed by all the band members It's he's true I mean it was a beautiful
1: piece it was a holy grail and then for the I had some of the other ones matter of fact they're in the boxes behind you uh, behind <laughs> excuse me you so, know um
0: it was it was it was it was fine i was just like oh all right you're coming on and then it was like oh by the way you also did the peter chris thing. yeah i'm like dude that's all we got to talk about we got to talk about kiss world and peter chris that's it of course we got a lot more great stuff out of them but that was um yeah that was a lot of fun so homework homework wise um what did you learn what was your favorite story do you remember KISS World when it was being talked about? Now, again, you know, this was 17 years ago, so it was pre-social media.
1: It was right at that cusp because that's where I saw the pictures were online.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you would have probably heard something on KISS Online, maybe some of the message boards, maybe AOL message boards at the time. Um, do you remember Kiss World? Not the Kiss World from 79, Kiss World from 2003-ish, that time frame. Um, and then I guess Peter Chris, did you see granted? I mean, we're talking Australia here, but did you see his final show? In Australia? What'd you think? And would you buy a live audio and a live DVD of Peter Chris's last show in Australia,
1: Australia. I would just look at the salad. I would. Again, there's some great matter of fact. Our, our good friend Mike Brun filmed uh, the one from New York, and you can just go to YouTube to see some of those clips. They're great. But and it's funny watching that. I'm a, I've I've always been. God, I really wish this whole thing would have been professionally captured. And it sounds like it had been, well, you know. in
0: Australia, and it's out there, and, and according to Peter, it's got a quality of 10. You could see Mark's eyes just popping out when that news
1: was dropped. Well, like I said, you know, I've been very tough on Peter just because, look, just as a, as a diehard, you know, Peter, for, for lack of a – and, Mike, you know these stories about – how he treated hotel staff and all that—that that stuff's all true. I mean, I talked to people who were there. Mm-hmm. Peter, when he came back, made a lot of the same mistakes he did in the late seventies towards the fans and towards, you know, to the people he worked with. Mike, you, the very last show, you know, you know all about.
0: It. Yeah, there Horrible. was yeah, there was there was no love, bad attitude, you know. Yeah.
1: So, were so when, yeah. So look, looking through that prism, and then seeing and talking to people, and look, I'll be honest. Last time I saw Peter face to face, he gave me a hug. He was really great to me. Um, that was when I was with Tommy in 2018. Actually, it was after that too, because then I saw him again in New York. Um, but you know. So I don't have an ax to grind against a guy. It's like we say on this show all the time, just being fucking honest. And I have, you know, as you guys know, I'm a huge bootleg collector, and I've got the shows. I can tell you where Peter stopped mid-show, played terrible, forgot the words, didn't give a fuck. So it was nice to see him at the very end when it was not the Kiss name, but the Chris name. He, He did his best, and I think he shined. And I'm gonna praise that because yeah, Well, he deserves you know,
0: it. I think this is the thing a lot of KISS fans have a hard time doing is you can be a huge, massive, devoted, fanatical fan, and you can be vocal about not liking things. Well, being, you know what being a fan doesn't mean you just have to blindly say everything is great.
1: I I look no farther than what, you know, and and I'll just stay on this topic for a second or two, you know, like we talked about last show, Mike, I I did my annual Kiss Tribute gig over the weekend here in Detroit and it, you know, why do I play drums? Looking at that booklet and Kiss Alive going, that looks fucking cool. You know what I mean? And learning the flams, learning how to play Strutter and just going, hey, I can do this. So I owe a lot to Peter Chris. Um, he inspired me to, to do something that's been a forty plus year passion of mine, and maybe that's why I'm so hard on him now, because I see some of my other guys that I liked, like Ian Pace from Deep Purple, who didn't fuck himself up, who always tries, who oh, al- you know what I mean? I don't, I can't think of any drummer more loved by other drummers other than like. You know, Neil Peart or something. But I mean, if you, when you start talking pacey with, with, with other drummers, man, they love him for just those reasons. He, he never disappointed. And, and Peter did. And it's, it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. How the guys he played in a band with will tell you that too. Not just the people that worked with him. You right. know? So that's the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's the truth. But guess what? You know, the, that show in Australia and the show in New York. He didn't do that. He, di- he did put his best face forward, and he should be praised for that. And I want to hear it, you know. Tell, because yeah, I, so, so, you're, at you're, the yeah. end of the day, I do love the guy, you know. But like Michael just said, we're allowed to tell you the truth. We're really? making a- the shit a- up.
0: Every fan is allowed to tell the truth. You don't have to like everything. You can still be a fan and say, that sucks. Carnival Soul sucks. I still love Kiss, and will love Kiss to the day oh, I die. Man, we need to wrap up right
1: about. <laughs>
0: <here>. <laughs> um, so yeah, your final question would you would you be interested in getting a um, professionally recorded performance of Peter Chris from his last performance in Australia? I think that would probably also help determine how hard they're going to work to make it happen if they come through with That's that. That's true um so so um head over to all of our social networks leave us your answer to the homework youtube facebook instagram we're everywhere and of course uh subscribe on youtube follow us on spotify and subscribe and leave a review and a rating on itunes means a lot to us and um that's it three sides of the coin we're out of here we'll see everybody next week
2: So you love the
1: show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and
2: leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks. So you love the show.
1: Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your
2: review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.